things of God, we need to have a right mindset and understand that the kingdom is first. I want to read you something here this morning. uh, That the Lord, two things the Lord had been just showing me so very strongly. Uh, And this is over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse... Uh, let's start in verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Lord, I just pray you help me follow you, say what you want me to say. I thank you, Lord, as I heard uh, the man of God, Apostle Paul, say this morning that God, that uh, our strength, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And you told him uh, at a time when he felt like there were some things he couldn't get away from, some things that he was imperfect in. You said that your grace was sufficient. So I thank you, God, that after we've given all that we have to give, your grace and your strength will kick in. And I thank you, God, that it will make my mind clear this morning, that it will make my communication clear, and that you will do what only you can do as you speak to your people this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, he says this, and I want you to pay close attention to this. He says, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith. The psalmist, and I'm reading out a New Living Translation. The psalmist had when he said, I believed, it, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And God's grace reaches more and more people. There will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That's why we never give up. Yeah. Can everybody look at that? You hear what he said? He talked about reaching people. He talked about God presenting himself to others. And then he said, that's why we don't give up. We keep watching him on finger hurt. Right? Uh-huh. We, don't, we don't give up. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying. Our spirits are being renewed. He's, he's hurting. He's wet. But the, the Holy Ghost, keep, him, keep, keep going. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, and that's the thing I noticed about myself. I was talking to a, a young man on Saturday, and uh, we were talking about my, my truck. Somebody had rented it out. And so I took it over there on Saturday morning, and uh, he was asking me, they all like, man, why don't you do this with it? And why don't you, you know, bring it this place and go all this place? And I said, I don't have time for that. I've got too many other things going on. I pastor a church. I got a project going on. Uh, well, do you make money with it? Yes, I do make money with it. Uh, but I don't have time. People can't understand when I tell them I don't have time for that right now. They, they don't get that. Everything is not about money. Right. Remember what he said? Your kingdom will come. It's about the kingdom. God, what you want me to be doing right now? Yeah. Right? You want me to go out? And sometimes when I, when I read the truck out, it could be, there could be, $750, it can be $900, it can be $1250, as much as $2500 in one day. I don't have time for that. Right? Because at, at a certain point, that's not the long-term thing. That's right? right? Long-term thing is establishing what we're doing here and establishing being able to reach, to be able to raise the money to, to sow into evangelism to reach people. That's temporary. There are bigger things that God's doing. And you have to be able to notice whatever God's doing in your life. Recognize where you are in that time. If you follow money, if you follow safety, you will find yourself way off in left field. Yeah. Away from what God wants to do. You need to ask God, where you want me to be, what do you want me to do and where you want me to be going? That's right. 
and God will take care of it. Because at the end of the day, this is this is where you're going to end up. Let's keep listening. He says, that's why I never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. So I was telling a story. I don't know what was going on. A young man said, hey, why don't you, why don't you, uh, you know, uh, let's make some kind of deal so, you know, that the young folks can benefit from it now. At first I'm thinking, fool, I'm not that old. <laughs> I don't know you like that and I'm not that old. I must be looking real bad out here today. And then secondary, I don't got a lot of confidence in what young folks are doing today. Right? So, 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 you know, it kind of touched me rubbing the wrong way. But because it made me think that, like, doctor, I must really look bad. You know, because I don't feel old. I know I'm tired. And, you know, I check myself out sometimes when I get up and, you know, from my seat. You know, my back's hurting a little bit. I take me a few steps to straighten up. You know, I, I, but I don't recognize, I don't chalk that up to being old. I just think something wrong with my back. And some days don't fix. You know what I mean? Maybe when I'm 67, it might not fix. And then I say, well, hey, I'm just, it's just cause I'm getting old. You know? But in my mind, in my mind, I'm not old. You know, I'm still, I'm young. And I'm smarter than I was. So I got that, I feel like I can do what I used to do when I was young. You know, my body's telling me, no, man, you tripping. You know, but my mind is saying yes because I'm, I'm, I'm smart. What he say, yo? He said the outward man perish, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Yeah. I feel like I can conquer the world. I feel like I'm young. I can conquer the whole world. Amen. You know, and so this is what the scripture is saying. Let's go on. Verse 17, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look on the troubles that we can see now. He's talking about ignoring the pain and keep pushing forward. Right? Uh, That we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Talking about eternal things. Some people so caught up in how you feel right now. The outward things going on in your life right now. And the Lord says that these things are temporary. Right, I I was out yesterday and I was looking and and man, the Lord showed me some things that I was like, God, it, it hurt me to see. But he showed me, and I know this, but he showed me another on another level that people are broken. People are broken. And then he showed me, the, I, was, I was seeing older men walking. And, you know, older men, when we get older, you know, some of us, we used to have, you know, bigger rears, bigger rear ends. You know what I'm saying? When we were younger, I'm just telling you. You know, but then you start getting older, that's the first thing going on the man. And so then your rear end go and your legs get skinny, you know, and then you, your stomach pop out, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know. Your stomach pop out and you're walking around and you got gray hair and your face that came out a little bit more than you used you don't look like you used to in the high school yearbook picture. Right? Everything's different. Right? So, but that's a part of the progression of getting older. You go to this and you showed up here on the clock to leave here. When you came out of the screen, what? the clock switched on. And the clock was on for when you're going to leave. When you showed up, Doc, you ain't always been, you know, we save it now. But, 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 but it was a force shape. Right, you, you always had that gray and that, be- that beard like that. Though the outward man perisheth, the inward man is renewed day by day. There's a reality of that we only have a certain amount of time to be here. I don't care how young I feel; at some point, I'm going to graduate. And you say, "Well, Pastor, that's so sad." 
you too. That's your fault. You're going to graduate. I ain't the only one going to graduate. You're going to graduate. My grandmother was, she came out here the other day, my 96. 96-year-old girl from me, 96 in November. And they come out here all the time to the restaurant. They come out to come eat. They want to come see me. They just, because they know we believe in God for forever. So they come all the way from Houston to come see me and come out here to eat. They come out and they just be excited. They want to talk, right? And so uh, she was sitting there and she was telling us a story about one of my, my, uh, my, my nephew actually was. My nephew was like 10 years old, something like that. And so he asked my grandmother, he said, uh, he, he said, he asked me, he said, Madea, you know, he said, how old are you, Madea? And she told him, she said, I'm 95, I'm going to be 96. He said, ooh, Madea, you old, 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 old. <laughs> you know, you old, old. And my grandmother said, she laughed and she told him, she said, if you keep on living, one day you're going to be old, 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 right? <laughs> But that's the way it is. Younger people don't understand. When you're young, you feel this. And, you know, I look at my, my son right now. He's handsome. You know, took him to the barber shop and uh, he was down to cut his hair. You know, we was down and gave him like the perfect hat that my son was sitting in the seat. He could glance and see himself in the mirror a little bit. And, and so I can tell him like, he was very pleased with the haircut. Like, he was very pleased with the haircut. And so he thought, man, I look dumb. I'm striving for probably now. 22. For his dad, when I Age. Not too many of y'all. You know, too many of y'all. I got grandkids. I can't remember everybody's age. Just know that I love you, and when I stop doing that, now you got a problem. But so, 22 years old, you know, he's young, he's strong, you know, you know, in the Air Force, he's traveling away from home, doing this, that, and the other, and all this kind of stuff. They're young and they're fearless, right? They, they told us the other day, him and my other son was talking. They said, uh, my other son uh, told me, he said, uh, or they said, they're talking about how hard we've been working. I heard y'all ain't been sleeping. I'm thinking to myself, look here, Doc. You know, y'all, y'all, y'all listen to these rap songs about how these people grind and how they, they work hard all night. Listen, just, just consider me one of them. I'm on, I'm on my spiritual grind right now. Alright? I'm, I'm working. You know what I mean? I'm good. I, but I'm good. Cause God got me. Alright? And so, but, but everybody's on a clock. Everybody got a time. You got, you got a certain amount of time to do what you're gonna do. You got a certain amount of time. And so as long as you keep waiting and talking about I'm going to get to it one day. Listen, no, the Bible says to give God your youthful years. Yes. Right? So the Bible says that the old man will dream dreams, but the young man, he'll have vision. Right? Vision is given to the young man because the young man got strength to do it. Dreams given to the older man to help to guide the young man with the vision. There you go. There you go. Right? So the young man has the vision. God, everybody's on the clock. We don't have time to waste. And when you care about God, about the Lord, you understand that you're on a clock. You understand that you need to, listen, I I need to get rid myself of excuses. I need to rid myself of distractions that are going to stop me from doing what the Lord called me to do. What are you going to do? I I I say the title to the series for the first time in the message. What are you going to do with your mirror? What are you going to do with the miracle that God gives to you? Now, a lot of times people don't understand and they don't, they don't see when God says something to them, they don't count that as a miracle. But you have to think about this. The God of the universe has spoke to you. If that's not a miracle, you tell me what it is. We understand that the Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, that the veil has been ripped, and we can go straight to the Lord, right? But we, we're not going to belittle or down, uh, 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 downplay what it is that he's given us the access to. Yeah, come on. 
Just because you can go to God and, you know, we, we can make a shirt that says Jesus is my homeboy and he's a friend that sits closer than a brother, that still makes it no less a miracle when he gives you a vision. It's a miracle when God says something to you. Because when God gives you a vision, what God is saying is, I have something that's near and dear to me. This is my baby. And I want you to take care of my baby. When God gives you a vision, that's exactly what he's saying. I'm giving to you. I'm giving you my pay. I have many kids. I have many projects. And I'm going to trust you with this one. There you go. It is a miracle for the God of the universe to trust you with something. Yes. I'm giving you this. I'm going to trust you with this. What are you going to do with what God entrusted you with? And the time that you have on this earth. But most of us are so concerned about how we going to live. How we live in. Right? You can say the same statement two different ways and mean two different things. I lived my life and I drove big nice cars and I, I lived in the finest homes. And I went on trips and I, I was just extremely blessed. Or you can say, I lived my life. I lived in some nice homes. I was extremely blessed. One way says that it was all about the nice homes and all about what I experienced. And I, and I, my focus was on that. The other way it says is love, so kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said the same thing. I had the same experience, but I got two different, my, my, my way I speak describes two different folks. You can live nice, you can be blessed, but your focus ain't on that. My focus is on God. What do you want me to do? Remember what he said? Our Father, so I never. How will it be thy name? Your kingdom come. This ain't words, this is prayer. <coughs> yes. He said, pray that God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth. You look at the dedication of the disciples. Paul said this. He said, I'm instructed both to be hungry. That's what a lot of people like to stop on that That's the people that don't want to hear nothing about God and bless you. But he said, I'm instructed to be hungry and to be full. Did you hear what I said? I'm I'm instructed to be hungry and to be full. Right? So what that means is there's sometimes we I'm cool when we eat ramen noodles. When that's all we got is ramen noodles. I'm good with that. But sometimes the Lord wants to give us steaks and I'm gonna eat them too. You hear what I said? Sometimes the Lord wants to give us steaks. Sometimes all we got is ramen noodles. I'm not going to complain when all we got is ramen noodles, and I'm not going to get too high on the steaks while I enjoy. Amen. 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 I'm not going to get so connected to earthly things that God puts before me that I'm going to become distracted by my purpose and the goal that God wants me to achieve. Yeah. I'm not going to take my focus off the baby because everything that's going on around me, whether it's hurt me or not, I'm not going to lose focus on the baby that God gave me. I want to read a little bit more of this to you. Let's go over uh, to the next chapter, chapter 5. And he goes on more. He says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down. This is great, man. This is great that he can just be this open about dying. About, about your expiration time. I love it. He says, for we know that when this earthly tent is taken down, that is when we die and leave the earthly body... We will have a house in heaven. 
So, man, listen, if we know we all got to die, heaven, that makes heaven extremely important, don't we? Sound like I'm preaching a funeral. I need to say this one for a funeral. This is good funeral preaching material right here. It says about when we leave this house, uh, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God Himself, made for us by God Himself, and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. We long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared for uh, for us this. And as a guarantee, he has given us the Holy Spirit, or the earnest, he's given us the Holy, a down payment of the Holy Ghost on what's to come. It's like buying a house. The Holy Spirit is the earnest money on your, your spiritual house. So we have, we, we are always confident even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord, for we live believing and not seeing. Yes, we are fully confident that we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. That's the scripture in the King James says to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away in this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we uh, we deserve for the good or evil that is done in our earthly body. Verse uh, 11. Because we understand... Our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. Now listen, this is it. We work hard to persuade others. God knows that we are sincere. And I hope to know, uh, hope you know this too. Are we uh, commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us. So we can answer those who brag about having spe- a spectacular ministry. Rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems that we're crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ loves, uh, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for us all, we also believe that he died to our, we, that uh, we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This is kingdom focus. This is focus on life. This is what it is. I don't care what you're pursuing in this life, how hard you're pursuing it after it, and one time you're going to graduate from this place, I wish I had a casket up here. I can make it better. Somebody give me a box or something to stick up here. One day you're going to leave from this place. Mm-hmm. Right? The only time you got is what you got right now. What are you going to do for God while you got this box? Mm. What are you going to do with God gave to you? What are you going to do with your miracle? Huh. While you're here, he's making a clear distinction that there will come a time and there is, to, there is, there is not this, not there will come. There is coming a time. As we progress, we get older, and we're not going to be here no more. What are you going to do while you're here right now? What are you going to do for God while you're here right now? Let's look at something. Go to uh, 1 Samuel with me. And I'm going to finish. I'm 
Now, everybody, like I say, ministry, y'all pay close attention because I'm going to let y'all pick it up. You're going to run from First Samuel. First Samuel, this is amazing. What's that, man? Um, you don't have to go to that. I'm going to use New King James. First Samuel chapter 1. I was out uh, by the barbecue pit the other day. Um, somebody had come back there with me. I don't remember who it was. But there was this, there's this dog running around. There's a, was that you, Pastor Ben, with that, that uh, pit bull, the Brenda one, the female? Yeah. Okay. Right in the back. So there's a female pit bull running around the neighborhood. And we saw the babies. Were you, you with me? So she has a, uh, some babes and pups over in the field over there. And so she, she's constantly coming around. I don't know if she's smelling smoke and thinking some loose meat on the ground. What? I don't know what she's thinking. But she's coming around looking for food for the babies, right? And so I don't never like to feed stray dogs because I know they're going to keep coming around. But it was something about that dog that I tried to get the dog to come off and give the dog some food. Because what I saw was not just a stray dog. I saw a mom trying to feed the kids. And it, 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 just some things when you are around the perception. I said, here's the mom. Got to provide for them kids. She leaves the little puppy over in the field. And she's trying to find some food. Now she, she don't know if I'm going to do something to her or not. But she's coming around everywhere. And, and so I just had respect for the little dog. I said, I got to respect that. She's trying to get, she's trying to get food. She's trying to get food for the kids. Lady had touched me. And mama, because she, she, you know, she still got the, you know, the little teats hanging down from the dog feeding and she's running around dirty, no, no, but she's trying to get that food. For the kids, I said I got to respect that. Yeah. And in the same way, when, I, when it made me think, women like that. Women, no man. Women have to fend for themselves. Trying to take care, you got to respect that. Yep. I gotta get it. That's what that said to me about. So when I, I say that, uh, because I look at this story right here. Here's a woman in Hannah who uh, is married to a man, and she's barren, right? And so at that time to be barren, it was a disgraceful. If you couldn't have kids, right? So here's her situation. It says, uh, there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah, the region of Zuf, uh, in the old country. Let me make sure I'm in the right place. Yeah. I'm in verse, I'm starting from verse one. So I'm in verse one. Who lived, uh, in the uh, hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Toha, the son of Zuf, and of Ephraim. We're going to read probably the whole first couple of chapters. This will give you some credit for reading your Bible that you don't do when you're not in church. Uh, Penna, children of Hannah, did not. Each year Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of the heavens, uh, armies, and the tabernacle. Uh, at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time uh, were two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. Extreme bad actors. Keep reading the chapter. Them boys, that was terrible. <laughs> you talking about some preacher's kids, boy. Oh, my God. Uh, on, the days of, on, on, the, on the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to Penair and each of the children. And uh, though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion. So she don't got no kids. You know, uh, we, we, you get a little bit disrespected. 
because the Lord had given her no children. So Peniel would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Peniel taunt, uh, would taunt Hannah. That's me. That's just mean, ain't it? Uh, as they went to the tabernacle, each time Hannah would be re- uh, reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why are you downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't it better than having ten sons? You're talking about that dude. That was something to live with. If I told my wife something like that, it would be hot. <laughs> Once after the sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. And Eli, the priest, was sitting at the customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer. She wants a miracle, right? Answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. And he will be yours for an entire lifetime. And as a sign uh, that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. So I want you very quickly, let me switch over and I want you to begin the notes for this with this. How to, how to handle your miracle. I want you to write these three things down, and we're going to look at them in the example of her life. Number one, you need to be thankful for what God gives to you. Yes. How to handle your miracle. Number two, the miracle that God gives to you, you need to give it back to him. That means I'm going to use it for you, God. I prayed for it for me, but I'm going to honor you with what you give me. And number three, you need to follow God's instructions. Number one, you need to be thankful for what God has given to you. The second, number two is, you need to give it back to God. And number three, you need to follow God's instruction with what he gives to you. Let's go back over here. What verse do I stop at, Lord? You're taking notes. Somebody else help me. Twelve. Okay. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but uh, hearing no sound. He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk? He demanded to know. Throw away your wine. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. But I am very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to, to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the, may the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And she went back and... Uh, to, uh, again and began to eat again and she was no longer sad. Verse 19 The entire family got up early the next morning went to worship the Lord once more then they returned home to Ramah when Elkanah slept with Hannah uh, the Lord remembered her plea and in due time gave she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel for she said I asked the Lord for him. Now let's back up just a little bit. Let's back up just a little bit. I want to show you something. Verse 11, I guess it must be. And Okay, 10. I'm reading this verse. When I got, okay, here we go. 11. And she made a, this vow. O Lord, heavens and armies, if you will look upon, uh, look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you and he will be yours the entire lifetime. And as a sign... That he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. 
Does anybody here tell me what is going on when she asks? And this is, this is, I want you to answer. Somebody know. Can anybody tell me what she means when she said his hair will never be cut? Anybody, anybody know what she's talking about? Okay. So I'm going to tell you something. This is, the, this, is probably, this is one of the first revelations I ever got from God, reading my Bible. I, I was so excited because I knew God could talk to me after I got this. I, I read this verse, and I was like, what's the significance of not giving this boy a haircut? You know, what, what's the significance? And so I did the research, and you know that uh, Samson had the same volume. Remember when Samson got his haircut, he lost his power, right? So what she was saying is, I'm going to have him be a Nazarite. He's going to take this Nazarite vow. So when you take the Nazarite vow, you keep yourself away from certain things. So it's this extreme dedication. One of the things, they don't cut their hair. They don't go close to dead bodies. They don't drink alcohol. All these different things. So she was telling the Lord when she said, I won't never cut his hair. She said, I'm going, I'm going to have, have him take this Nazarite vow. Nazarite vow can be taken for a period of time or it can be taken for an entire lifetime. So she was talking about extreme dedication this kid. Remember what I said. First thing you be thankful. The second thing you give him back to the Lord. And the next thing you do what the Lord asks you to do. So she's telling the Lord, I'm going to dedicate him, right? All right, verse 19, I think we stopped there. Okay. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. And they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. The next year, Elkanah and his family went to the, on the annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now and may the Lord uh, keep your, may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle of Shiloh. And brought along a three-year-old bull for a sacrifice uh, and a basket of, of flour and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, she brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman that stood here several years ago praying to the Lord, and I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and He granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship. There uh, before the Lord, they worship the Lord there. So here she is. She's thankful for what the, the Lord has done, but she's she's giving this gift that God gave her back to Him. Yep. When you ask God for something, yep. it's very selfish for you to walk off and not extend the thing back to God. So she she made a decision to do that. Now I got to switch versions because I don't know how this prayer is going to read. I need to go to Zen KG right right now. Now this is one of the, one of the most awesome. Things that I've ever heard anybody do. Sometimes, have you ever been around in a situation? Oftentimes, this happened where somebody is it's in a worship environment, and the person is just going on and on. Seems like they're losing it. You might be screaming, "Thank you, thank you to the Lord." This, that means you know God has touched the person in such a way that they are extremely thankful from where they are. This woman right here prayed this prayer and gave this thanksgiving to God that every time I read it, I'm so excited about reading what the lady said. She said some stuff that I could relate to, and I just love it, so I want to read it. Uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. 
No one is holy like the Lord. Look at her giving God glory. Now, yeah, I, I imagine she was Pentecostal. Right? She said, no one is holy like the Lord. I need to get Doc to come up here and read this thing right here. The doctor set it off. He'll do it right. No one is holy like the Lord, but there is none besides you, nor is there any, uh, any rock like our God. That's how you ought to pray right here. Talk no more uh, so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord, he is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased from being hungry. She said God can swing it from one end of the spectrum to the other spectrum. Why did she say that? Because she said, what I couldn't do before by myself, I prayed and God gave me my miracle. She said, the hungry have ceased from being hungry. Even the barren has borne seven. And she who has many children has become feeble. She said, God can flip that thing around from one end to the other end. How can she pray like that? Because she had an experience with God. Verse 6. The Lord kills and makes alive. She's constantly talking about how the Lord can take it from one end to the other. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. The Lord makes the poor uh, and he makes the poor and he makes the rich and he makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the beggar from the ash heap. Now, if you read that in the King James Version, it says he brings the, uh, the prince. He can take the poor to the palace and he can bring the, the prince to the dung hill. Did, did you hear the, the, how them, them spectrums? He can take the poor into the palace and bring the prince to the dung hill. Dung is not dirt. Meaning God can swing that thing. One minute, they mocking you because they're on top. And the next minute, they're on extreme bottom and you're at the top. This woman is praying because she got a revelation of what God can do. Uh, to set them that are princes and make, uh, them that, uh, and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints. But the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken into pieces. From the heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge to the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went uh, into the house of Ramah. But the child ministered unto the Lord before Eli the priest. So she went and she took him to the priest. See, what did, what did I say? Step number one. You're thankful about what God's done. The next thing you do is you give it back to the Lord and you follow his instruction. I think a battery's going out on me. So, something right. Uh, so, so she, she's following through. She asked God for something. She's thankful to God for it. She's expressing her thanksgiving. She's expressing her thanksgiving here in her prayers. Right? She's presented the gift back to the Lord. We go up and we ask God for something and then we run off with the thing. Like, you know, like God ain't involved with it no more. I done seen so many people get blessed that was doing so bad and come to church extremely prayerful. Why they in need? Oh, Lord, we don't have no call. We walk in the church. You ever seen somebody like that? We have to walk in church. We always have to get a ride. We just need a call. God give us a call. Lord, I'm so tired of walking. God give us a call. Lord, give us a call. You see, in one Sunday, testified, the Lord gave us a call. 
after that, I don't see it no more. Because the thing you carry, the thing you didn't cry and pray for, you just carry you somewhere else, but God is not. Until the thing break down and get you back up. Lord, give us a call. Well, he gave you one. You didn't have anybody. How you gonna handle your miracle? How you gonna handle your miracle? I'm almost done. I, I've literally seen this happen. I've seen people do that. You ask God for something, the thing that you ask God for, God, no wonder it was such a delay. He knew you was going to act a fool when you got it. Mm-hmm. How are you going to handle your miracles? You remember the story, it says the, the, these ten lepers came to Jesus. And it says that they all got cleansed. But only one dude came back and said thanks. That's right. How are you going to handle your miracles? You going to handle it like everybody else? Are you going to be the one that makes sure that you handle it properly? And the Bible said that the one that came back to say thanks, obviously that was the most to the whole situation. Some of them got cleansed, but it said this man got made whole. Hallelujah. When God gives something to you, you have to handle the thing that God gives to you properly. That means that sometimes even if it's if it's hurting, sometimes if it's hard to do, I'm going to tell you something that's, that's, that hurts and it's hard to do. It's hard to pay tithes. It's hard to give an offer. But you ask the Lord for the job, and you ask the Lord for the money. And the Lord says to you, now I want you to understand something. You know when they had to take the sacrifice, two points I'm going to make out of this. Number one point is, the priests have always been in the barbecue business. That's right. <laughs> this is biblical. Because when they brought the sacrifices to the temple, the priests had to cook it up for Amen. For those that thought we was out of line, we just following the priestly heritage. Amen. Number two. Number two. When they brought the sacrifice to the temple, the thing had to come. They had to bring the thing alive. So they was bringing the sacrifice to the altar, kicking and screaming. God said, look, you don't bring it dead. I want you to bring it trying to get away from it. So listen, it was trouble trying to get that thing over there. I didn't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, whatever it was, it was uh, trying to break loose. And you take this off, you pay your tithe, and that tithe <laughs> kicking and screaming. And they don't want to go. But this ain't new. It's not new. So just because it's kicking and screaming in your pocket, and you're thinking the tithe is telling you, we don't want to go to the cross church. We want to go to the mall. We want to do this, that, yo. Listen, you ain't the first one who offering was kicking and screaming, don't want to come to the altar. But you got to grab a hold of that thing and hush it. Hush it. We're going to handle this right. God gave us this money. And we're going to handle this money right. So kicking and screaming, all in your pocket telling you, well, look, you, don't you got to take me over here? We got to go over there. And we got to pay these bills and this and that. Look, you sure was awful quiet until we was going to go to church. And then you start all of a sudden, you wise and you want to talk back and all this. No, you got to grab a hold of that thing, kicking and screaming in your pocket, and bring that thing to the office. I remember the first time I saw it, I said, that's why I did that. Because it's got, it got to cost you something. It's got to be some trouble. It's got to be some trouble. Listen, when you give, it's trouble. To me, I, I'm numb to it now. Because I've been doing it for so long. When I first started doing it, oh, Lord, I need to pay this. I need to. Ooh. But now, I don't even think twice about it. How much money did I get? Let's put that over there. Put that over there. It's gone. I don't even think about it no more because it's happy. It's become happy. 
But how are you going to handle what God gives to you? Now he tells us where, where our offerings are concerned. He says that the tithe is holy. Yeah. Right? So I've delivered, I've been, why is this? I've given you strength and power to be able to generate income. But you keep back from me what I have blessed you with. What do we say? How we handle our miracle? We're thankful for it. We give it back to God. And we follow his instructions. So when we don't follow his instructions, then we go back and say, God, I sure want to be blessed with some more. He's like, you ain't even having what I gave you right the first time. No matter whatever that might be, whether it's your health, whether that's your money, whether that's your business, it should belong to the Lord. You only got so much time that you're going to live on this earth. We read all about that. We opened up the whole message with that. What are you going to do with God's given to you in the time that you got right now? I'll finish with this. There's this movie, Schindler's List. Have you ever seen that movie, Schindler's List? You remember the rich guy when he started buying those Jewish people's freedom? And he was about to leave. They were getting him in the car on the way out of there. And I think he took his ring off. He said, man, I should have sold his ring. I could have got one more. I don't think there's nobody on their deathbed that is concerned with heaping more stuff to themselves. Everybody is concerned about what good they should have done to somebody else when we leave here. And we're all going to leave here at some point. Like I think about it right now. I think about my life right now. With my kids, if they need something, I got it. Hey, man, I'm going to do it for them. I don't even worry about me. You know, if I can, you know, get me something to eat, you know, and, and put me some clothes on or whatever and get from A to B, I'm, I'm kind of straight. The older you get, you kind of think like that. Unless you're never mature on your way up. Because I know some older folks that are extremely immature. They, they, they ain't going to leave the kids nothing because it's going to be all spent. They're going to make sure it's gone. Right? But you start, think, you start thinking about things that are bigger than you. You start thinking about things that's going to live on after you. Right? Kingdom things are going to live on after you're gone. This is the way God intended for us to live. He wants you to be mindful of the kingdom agenda. And the things that he gives to you, he wants you to put them to kingdom use first. Yeah. And that don't mean that you're like, you're not supposed to have no fun, you're not supposed to go out and do anything and, and nothing like that. That's not what I'm saying. Seek ye first. Put God first. Put the Lord first. As God has, has said to 